everybody. I am Dave Rubin, and this is the Rubin Report Direct Message for February 25th, 2021. Before we do anything else, I quickly want to remind you that you can get $30 off your annual Blaze subscription. Just go to blazetv.com, and that ends uh, tomorrow night. So get to it if you want to save 30 bucks off the yearly subscription at blazetv.com. Uh, we're doing a Q&A today. I am going to cover one story because there was one story that I saw this morning that was so bananas, so bonkers, so absolutely ridiculous, and yet so painfully real that I felt I had to do it in addition to doing uh, the Q&A. Uh, we could try to maybe fit in one or two last second questions Questions if you wanna submit right now at rubenreport.locals.com, although we got a gajillion of them so I can't make any promises. And uh, oh, and by the way, uh, you know, I mentioned yesterday that my team, that we were literally hysterically laughing, like like tears rolling down our face, hysterically laughing before the show began. I was actually crying when the show started. I had like tears in my eyes uh, because of this video that somebody sent me. I decided not to post it publicly anywhere because the cancel people, I just didn't want to deal with the headache. I've got a lot going on. Not that anyone can cancel me. I'm my own boss. And the chances that I walk into the room and say, Dave, we're going to have to have a sit down. And Dave, we're going to have to get rid of you. Like it's probably not going to happen. I just didn't want to deal with the headache. Anyway, I did post the video for subscribers only at rubenreport.locals.com. All right, we're going to get to about 20 of your questions. Before we do that real quick, guys, I want to talk to you about Bonner private wine. I've got the wine bottle right here. You know I like wine. You know, next time you grill up a couple steaks, guys, pop open a bottle of extreme altitude Malbec wine. It comes from these remote vineyards in Argentina located up at about 9,000 feet. That's pretty high. When these vintners aren't making wine, they're herding cattle, so they know meat. They know barbecue, and that's what these Malbecs are for. As soon as you open the bottle, you're gonna experience delicious notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, and a little dark cherry. You're also gonna get less sugar, less chemicals and additives, and 10 times more resveratrol, which is a powerful longevity booster. There used to be a rumor that, um, what's her name? Who is the lady on The, on the View? Uh, who started The View? The old lady. What the hell was her name? Barbara Walters, there used to be a rumor that Barbara Walters uh, bathed in resveratrol. I don't know if it's true. Uh, the guys over at freethinkerwine.com just got a special shipment of these wines in. They've got one Malbec from the third highest vineyard in the world at about 8,950 feet. Visit freethinkerwine.com today and you'll get 50% off the wine and 50% off shipping. Uh, this was just a small batch and it's gonna go fast. Visit freethinkerwine.com, that's freethinkerwine.com. And now back to me. Freethinkerwine.com, there you go. All right, so I wanna do one story. I, I just cannot believe this, and yet it's so obviously real that it's like just the perfect story for our whacked out world that we're living in. Uh, so let's throw these images up right now. There is a high school in Washington that is having their band practices in small, I guess they're calling them tents, although I can't really call that a tent. It seems like some sort of green fabric evil coffin, that's what I'd rather call it. They call it a tent, I call it a green evil fabric coffin. This is a real picture, these are not photoshopped. You can see the students in band class in these tiny things that the ventilation doesn't look great. I don't know how they're fully hearing each other or that how they can even get enough air to really blow the tuba or blow the horn. Are we showing the image of the guy with the, with the big horn too? I mean, look at this poor kid. 
Look at this poor kid. We are making children insane. Crazy, ridiculous adults with nonsensical rules that have nothing to do with science have decided to put high school students in small green bags and have them play music. And if you think that is good, if you think there's science behind that, if you think there's any reason to do this other than to break the human spirit and control how people behave and what they think, then you are a fool. These are, this is just insanity. It ain't gonna stop. It's just coming at every level. The other one that I saw this morning is that Hasbro has announced that Mr. Potato Head won't be called Mr. Potato Head anymore. He'll just be Potato Head because uh, obviously that was offensive to somebody or he wasn't really a man or he is a man or being a man. You could take the mustache off, then he's Mrs. Potato Head. I mean, did you watch Toy Story? There was Mr. Potato and Mrs. Pota Potato Head and you can switch all their we live literally in the dumbest time in, in human history. And there's something to be said for that. You know what I mean? Like if you can keep your sense of humor and not go completely bananas and all that, there is absolutely something to be said. Oh, I wanna do one other thing though. This is very important before we get to all of your questions and I will get to as many as possible. You know, I've been talking a lot about masks and we're all talking about masks. And you know, originally they didn't want us to wear masks. And then they said only sick people should wear masks or only doctors should wear masks. And then they said, no, you should wear masks all the time. And then they said, well, if you know, you're an athlete you, while you're playing, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're sitting on the sidelines, you have to wear a mask and the coaches have to wear a mask. And we also had the Super Bowl, and it was like some people wore them, some people didn't. They would pull them down to talk to each other. The whole mask thing is just absolutely bananas. As always, I believe you should do whatever you think is right to protect yourself. I was just in Florida and guess what? There were old people, a lot of old people in Florida. They were at restaurants eating and drinking and living their lives. Uh, but the mask thing, now wear two masks, wear three masks, put on a mask, put a face shield on, wrap your head in saran wrap, dip yourself in chocolate, sit out on a field until a bunch of ants come eat you. I mean, it's just an endless cascade of anything. And, I, and I, I've been thinking about it. So what are we gonna do about the mask? What are we gonna do? Is there someone we could look to who did it right when it came to masks? And then, you know, I'm a Star Wars guy. I was thinking, you know, Kylo Ren, let's just put aside how disastrous the, the three last movies were for just a moment. Kylo Ren kind of had it right about masks. What was Kylo Ren doing with masks? Sometimes he wore his mask. Sometimes he didn't wear his mask. It was totally up to Kylo Ren. It didn't really make any sense to me when he would put it on or when, when he would take it off. And it didn't really make sense to anyone else because if he was wearing the mask, it would be like, well, we know what you look like, Kylo. Why are you trying to scare us a little extra with the mask? So look, I got a Kylo Ren mask here and my policy on masks is sometimes I'm gonna wear the mask, okay? Sometimes I'm gonna wear the mask. If, if I go into a store and they demand I wear the mask, I'm gonna put the mask on. This is a very Kylo Ren Sith approach to wearing masks. If they want you to wear the mask and you feel like wearing the mask, then you should wear the mask. And then if you wanna take the mask off, sure, could it mess up your hair and would that be upsetting? Yes, uh, but if you wanna take the mask off and hang out with other people and talk to other people and let them see your face, then, then uh, take the mask off. But again, if you wanna put it on to intimidate people and say, I'm wearing a mask, why aren't you wearing a mask? You see, I'm better than you, I'm wearing a mask, okay? Look at my messed up lightsaber, Arr! which they never even explained his messed up lightsaber. Uh, I think you get the point. For now on guys, oop, I, I took my earpiece out. Also earpieces should be up to you, whatever you wanna do. Kylo Ren style masks. All right, guys, uh, let me tell you one more thing and then we're gonna get to all the questions. Uh, I wanna talk to you about Bambi, guys. You know, when you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. 
wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, the list goes on and on, and HR managers' salaries aren't cheap. They can average $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day, all for just 99 bucks a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. And if you're like me, I know you don't like to start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance, let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Ruben right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi dot com slash Ruben, spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash Ruben. All right, here we go, guys. Q&A as promised. I think for this first question, I'm feeling like wearing a mask. So I'm gonna put on the mask. I feel like wearing a mask. It's a free country. I'd like to wear the mask. And, and I'm wearing the mask. So the question from Nick. I know she's working with Ben Shapiro now, but what are the chances we get a Gina Carano interview? Okay, well, first off, Gina Carano, if you don't know her, uh, what she's known for, obviously, MMA fighter. She was an actress in The Mandalorian. She is a conservative, or at, at the very least, she is non-woke. Oh, I guess I'm talking about Gina Carano, a Star Wars girl while I'm wearing a Kylo Ren mask. It's all coming together, people. And that wasn't even intentional. Um, she posted a, a meme basically saying that those of us who are non-woke are sort of like the Jews pre-Holocaust, meaning that we're dehumanized at every turn, and when you dehumanize other people, it can lead to horrible things. There was nothing remotely anti-Semitic about what she said. There was nothing bigoted about what she said. Actually, she made quite a great point. I can't believe I'm doing this in a Kylo Ren mask. Um, in any event, Disney got rid of her. I have canceled my Disney Plus account. It's the, just a little bit that any of us can do. And uh, she ended up now has signed a deal with Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire and she's gonna be doing movies where she's gonna produce an act, which is exactly how you beat cancel culture. You beat it by being brave and building your own stuff. So the question is, will we get her for an interview? I'm already in touch with her. We're talking, we're gonna figure it out. She just did Ben's Sunday special and you can tell. And this is sort of the beautiful thing about how people step into themselves. She, you can tell it's pretty clear that she, this is not someone who really wants to be a public person in the fight in that regard. She wanted to be an actress. She was a fighter and then she wanted to be an actress, but she's stepping into her moment. So yes, my hope is we'll get her on for the show. I'm also talking to her about locals and a couple other things and we'll see, but uh, I, she deserves nothing but our support. The people who tried to cancel her are the bad guys. She ain't the bad guy. And for the people that were upset that, oh, she made a, a, a Holocaust reference, it's like these are the same people who call the rest of us Nazis all day long, so it's like, get a clue. Okay, you see what I did there? Very Kylo Ren of me. I, I gave the speech with the mask, and then, uh, how am I doing over here? Did it, you know, Kylo sometimes, you know, oh, 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 let's see. Get a little this, a little this, yeah, all right, there we go. You know, Kyler would take the mask off and sometimes his hair would be a little, or his face would be a little mushed from the mask. All right, here we go, guys. So uh, Candace says, how do you feel about Michael Knowles' betrayal? Oh, we're doing a whole Daily Wire thing today. So uh, as some of you guys may have heard, they covered this on the Daily Wire backstage the other day. Uh, I had Michael Knowles over for dinner uh, a couple months back. I think this was probably in May, something like that. 
And this was still when the Daily Wire was in LA and you know they were all they were thinking about moving and, and there had been a lot of talk. Everybody was talking about getting out of California, getting out of LA. Could we could we go to Tennessee? Could we go to Texas? Could we go to Florida? The whole thing's happening. Anyway, David and I had Knowles and his wife over for dinner. A lot of, lot of steak, a lot of booze. He's a whiskey guy. Uh, and we talked for hours all night about how we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay and fight and it's a worthy cause and we can fix this state and we can't let the union fail and all this stuff and hours and we're feeling good and we're gonna team up and we're gonna stay and fight. And then I wake up the next morning, scroll Twitter and uh, Daily Wire moving to Nashville, Knowles is leaving. So how do I feel about Knowles' betrayal? I, he didn't know, he actually didn't know. There had been some rumors of things happening. I will work through it with Knowles, you know. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, but good for, good for them for getting out of here. And, and again, this is what I often talk about the foot vote. If you live in a place that is not consistent with your views, you have options. And that's a beautiful thing in America. You have less options. I mean, really think about other Western countries. If you live in the UK, if you live in Canada, like you have less options, meaning sure, you can move, you can escape a city, you can escape a town, but the general laws of the country are pretty much the same. We've got that great opportunity that federalism has afforded us. And when I was in Florida last week, as I said yesterday, it really did feel like being in another country. And in many ways, that's the system that is supposed to work, that they can figure out different things related to education, they can figure out different things related to taxes, they can figure out different things related to social programs, all of it. Uh, so Knowles is doing well in Tennessee. I'm still here and uh, we shall see. Uh, Antoinette asks, how long before the little one arrives are you and David waiting to be surprised or finding out what you are having? So we actually had a whole bunch of questions related to our expanding family and having a child and everything else. So many of you know, and I wrote about it in the book that uh, we've been working on surrogacy for a long time, which is, it's a, it's a whole process and, it, and it's very expensive and all that stuff. Um, so I haven't discussed this publicly yet, but, so I thought it would be a good time to, uh, to address one question on it. Um, our surrogate did have a miscarriage a couple weeks ago. We found out maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, obviously it sucks. There's not much more that I can say about that. Um, so we ended up sort of back at square one. And I will just add this, um, that our surrogacy doctor, our fertility doctor, I should say, um, who is one, one of the best in the world. I mean, people fly from all over the world to meet this guy here in LA. Uh, he has told us that he has seen more miscarriages this year than in any other year of his career. And there's no scientific evidence for it, meaning that the eggs still look good, our sperm was fine, like the, the surrogates, there's nothing wrong with the wombs. And the only thing that they can then chalk that up to is just the general stress of the world. Like that's, that's not scientifically proven um, but that's what his feeling is. So, uh, so we were, you know, pregnant for for a certain period of time, and she did have miscarriage. So we have actually a new egg donor, um, and we've got plenty of sperm. It's not we're not we don't have a sperm shortage around here. We have got plenty of sperm. So, uh, so we're starting again in a couple of weeks. We're using the same surrogate, who's who's a wonderful, wonderful girl. Obviously, she needed a little bit of time uh, to heal and just get right physically and all that good stuff. And, uh, and we'll, we'll continue, we'll continue. And I will say one thing, you know, I, I crap on California a lot for obvious reasons, the taxes, the regulation, the homelessness, the whole thing. Uh, California does have the best 
laws around surrogacy, especially for same-sex couples in, in the United States, significantly better than places like Texas and Florida. Um, so when I bash on California all the time and I say all the great things about some of those red states, like it's not like everything is absolutely perfect. And that partly is one of the reasons that we haven't bolted uh, just yet. But anyway, I, I have no doubt that I'm gonna get a ton of messages from you guys with, with love and sympathy and all that good stuff. And I, I appreciate it in advance. And uh, we're, just, we're just gonna keep on going. Uh, Born to be free says, what do you think Trump's role should be in the future? You know, I mentioned the other day, someone said to me in Florida that they would love for Ron DeSantis, who's the current governor of Florida, to run for president, which I think is a, a very much a possibility and would be great on so many fronts, not only because he's been a, a supremely uh, excellent executive of his state, but also because he's 46 years old, I think, so get some young blood in there instead of keep running these 70 year olds. I think he's ready to fight and all of that good stuff. Um, so somebody said to me, DeSantis could be president, that could leave Trump running for governor of Florida. I actually think that would be kind of interesting if Trump wants to do that. I would say the best move for Trump probably, now that the second impeachment not only failed, but nobody gave a crap. Do you know anyone that gave a crap besides blue check journalists on Twitter? Nobody gave a crap. It was, it was a sham the entire time. I would say Trump's probable best, uh, best move in a public sense, let's say, is that he needs to be the sort of outside fighter for the candidates. I don't know that Trump needs to run again. Like, could he run for president again? Sure, would he have more support than any other Republican? You think he'll have a little more support than Mitt Romney? Um, I think he would, a little more support than Liz Cheney? Yeah, I think he would. Um, but I don't know that that necessarily is the move. It's almost like if Trump can act as the, the fighter on the outside, the surrogate dealing with the media and all that nonsense, then you could start getting a really interesting crop of people coming up. Could you then get say your Dan Crenshaw's, your Nikki Haley's, your Candace Owens, your Ron DeSantis's, whoever, whoever it might be, some people that, that we don't even know of yet, right? But having Trump act as the fighter guy through the media lens, like that's really what he loves, it's what he's great at and all of that, he could do that, not have the constraints of the political part attached to it, and then you have some you, you know, really new, fresh, young blood get in there and make a difference at the political side. So we'll see, I think he could end up running for governor. My guess is he won't run for president again. Just, that just seems like kind of too crazy, but I like this sort of outsider surrogate uh, thing. Uh, Ali says, you mentioned a new book uh, in the making, any hints? Um, I don't wanna say too much at the moment. I'm about halfway through with it and it looks like it'll be released in spring of 2022. As I told you guys, the, the book writing process, well, it takes a while to write, but, but the publishing process is actually quite slow. It's, it's sort of, um, it's an archaic business in a lot of ways. Um, and they are working on modernizing it. And I work with Penguin, Penguin Random House who are like the best of the best. And I love my editor and I love the whole team there. So I'm working on that right now. And uh, I would say, I don't wanna, I really don't wanna give too much. I would say it's gonna be a, the next extension of Don't Burn This Book. So, you know, in Don't Burn This Book, what I tried to lay out were what I think are the best principles for a free society to flourish and for you as an individual to flourish. And of course, you guys all know, I believe that the classically liberal political lens is the best way to do that, but that politics alone isn't uh, everything. Um, so I'm gonna expand on that a bit, but really try to make this book much more about action than ideas. You know, one of the things that I'm really interested in right now is I don't wanna just talk to people over and over about talking. 
Everyone's talking about talking. Everyone's on every platform now talking and having conversations and talking and talking. And I don't want you guys even to be bludgeoned with that. That's why we don't do more interviews a, a week. You know, we do, the, we do these five direct messages and then I do one max two interviews a week because I want you guys to live and go and build and create and all of those things. And I, there's so many podcasts now and everyone's just listening to everyone talk. I'm interested in people who do, who are fighting things, who are actually making a difference. And, and the book is gonna be uh, very much sort of pointed in that direction. What can you now do in this whacked out world to make a better life for yourself? So I'll leave it at that for now. Cesar uh, Tito too says, do you think Rick Grinnell will run for governor of California? So we just taped it yesterday, our Friday panel for tomorrow. Usually we tried to do them live, but there were some scheduling issues. Um, and we're doing a panel all about California tomorrow. We've got Rick Grinnell, who is obviously our former ambassador to Germany and acting uh, director of intelligence for a little while in the Trump administration. We've got comedian and podcaster Adam Carolla and Alicia Krauss from the Daily Wire and the Washington Examiner. Uh, and I don't wanna say anything yet, but somebody on the panel out of those three people actually kinda says that it's very possible that they're gonna run for California once we recall Gavin Newsom, which by the way, uh, as of this morning, the recall now has over 1.8 million signatures. They only needed 1.5 to trigger it in the first place, but you know they're gonna, in this ridiculous one-party state, we know they're gonna pull all sorts of tricks, so I'd love to see that get over two million. Um, I will add one other thing about generally the California, Florida thing and everything else. My feeling is, for me personally, as whacked out as this state is, and I'm actually going out to dinner tonight for the first time in a year. No, no, sorry. I went out to dinner on my birthday, June 26th. We went out with a couple friends. That is the only time since lockdown has began, basically one year ago, since I've been out to dinner in LA. I've gone out to dinner in, in Texas. I've gone out to dinner in Florida. But we are going out to dinner tonight. I believe, wait, we're not sitting indoors because you can't, you can't sit indoors, right? So I will be eating outdoors, okay? I will report back to you. Maybe I'll even post a picture of a, of a dinner tonight. What a world. Um, but. As for my future, because there's always a lot of questions about that, my feeling is if, if I can be part of recalling Gavin Newsom, and then we actually, you know, once you recall the guy, he can still run again, so he'll run again, he could win again, in which case nothing really was accomplished, a lot of money, a lot of wasted time and everything else. But if we can recall the guy and then get in someone better, maybe that does start the dominoes. And you know, Andrew Cuomo in New York is in a lot of hot water right now because of what he did putting the old people back in the homes and everything else. And it's like, if we could get rid of Gavin Newsom, maybe Cuomo, the pressure becomes too much and he steps down, the media's kind of turning on him now. They don't need him anymore. He was a real anti-Trump surrogate, but now they kind of don't need him since Trump's not there. So all these guys are getting their just desserts, I would say. Um, but if I can have something to do with that and fixing California, that would be awesome. And then, then I could see a path to staying here longer. Um, but if it doesn't happen, then, then I'm out. Then I'm out one way or another, uh, despite what I said about the surrogacy stuff, which we'd still have to deal with a lot of that. Um, Nick says, did you do anything new and exciting while in Florida? New and exciting, I mean, well, mostly I sat on the beach and, uh, and I got some sun and I ate a lot of fish. I ate a lot, of, a lot of grouper, a lot of red snapper. Tried to eat fish pretty much every day. Took a lot of bike rides, bike ride every morning. Um, did a little bit of reading. Um, did I do anything new and exciting? Well, I ate at restaurants. That was very new and exciting. And I, I talked to people. I mean, really, I, I, you know, a certain amount of people just recognize me and come up to me even if on, on the beach or at a restaurant. But just, we, I, I think I mentioned this the other day, we were at a, 
at a bar on our last night. We're sitting at this like C-shaped bar and it turned out that it was a whole bunch of people from other states and then a couple Floridians there. And we all just started talking, like just talking to strangers. And then the two bartenders got involved in it too and there were a couple people kind of sitting around the bar. And we had a group of I'd say about 25 people kind of all in one conversation about what it's like. Some people lived in Minnesota, some lived in Chicago. As I said, some lived in Florida, some were in New York, some came from California. And all just talking about what our different frustrations were. And it was clear we didn't all agree on everything politically and some were old and some were gay and some were black and some were white. And guess what? Nobody punched anybody, it was, it was just fine. So just experiencing that. I know that doesn't sound that new and exciting, uh, but in a way, what's old is new again. And I think communicating with human beings in real life is actually exciting these days. Uh, Kevin asks, music-wise, uh, who or what are you listening to these days? So I busted out my Spotify right before we started uh, because I wanted to give you a true, honest assessment of what I've been listening to. So you guys know, if I'm, if I'm doing music with words, I'm old school, I like Frank Sinatra, I like Frankie Valli, I like the Supremes, I like a lot of 50s, 60s stuff, stuff like that. The, the great crooners, I love all of that. I, like, I love doo-wop actually, I like a lot of jazz. Um, but what I really listen to mostly throughout the day and what we usually have going on in the background when my crew is working and just evening and that kind of thing, um, I like, like sort of ambient, um, chill stuff. So there is a spectacular channel on uh, Spotify that I've been listening to all the time. It's called, uh, called Ambient Electronica. If you can see that right there, Ambient Electronica. There's no words, and look, as a guy that talks for a living and listens to people talk for a living, it's why I kind of don't like words all the time. So I like the, the crooners and that kind of stuff, usually for dinners, but if just during the day, we usually have music playing throughout the house, I just like that ambient chill stuff. So check out the Ambient Electronica channel on Spotify and let me know what you think. Um, Ask182 says, I give you a lot of credit for having guests on your show who opposed gay marriage. Does it ever bother you that someone looks at your marriage as wrong? Um, does it bother me that they look at it as wrong? Well, I would first say that everyone's entitled to their own beliefs. And as long as you're not trying to legislate my beliefs, then I don't care. So if let's put it this way, if gay marriage was not legal now, right? So if, if you were saying, well, two consenting adults who happen to be gay are not allowed to get into a legal contract that uh, a straight couple could get into. Well, then you would not have equality under the law in my estimation, and by the way, in the Supreme Court's estimation as well, right? Um, and so I would have a problem, I would have a problem. But because gay marriage is the law of the land, it makes it, I would say, easier to accept that people have different religious views, which by the way, were the mainstream accepted views for thousands of years, whether you like them or not. So at the end of the day, is Ben Shapiro allowed to have his private religious belief from an Orthodox Jewish perspective or uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who I've had on the show, who's a Catholic bishop, uh, is he allowed to have his personal religious belief? Of course the answer is yes. And can I talk to them about all sorts of things? Well, I can talk to them about all sorts of things. So does it bother me? Like, would I, would I ultimately hope that they would come to my line of thinking on this? Sure, but do I expect to sit down with a bishop and, and have him rip off the frock and be like, yay, I'm, a, I'm for gay marriage. Like, no, I don't. But I think there's other ways you can build bridges. Um, and it's sort of funny because, you know, when I have some of those people on, I get all the lefties uh, tweeting at me saying that I'm, I'm self-hating and these people hate me and all that. And it's like, well, not only do I not get hate from those guys, I get tolerance, but I'm not 
self-hating and it's like for the, I thought you guys are the tolerant ones, but you're telling me he's a bigot and I'm self-hating as we're talking about tolerance, right? And we're talking about agreeing to disagree. So there you go with that. Uh, Eileen says, will you be doing a movie night anytime soon? You know, we've done a couple of these movie nights uh, in the Ruben Report community, rubenreport.locals.com, where we all watch the same movie at the same time and we get into a Netflix party, which is where we can all actually, I, I can control the movie so everyone gets up Netflix, I click play on it, you start seeing it on your own TV, obviously, and then we have a chat throughout the movie, a text chat throughout the movie, and then we do a giant Zoom after, and we had, we, we literally had hundreds of people in it, we have to upgrade our, our Zoom thing so we can do it with an unlimited amount of people. We did V for Vendetta uh, about, what was it, about a month ago or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, it, it's such a freaking phenomenal movie that will send, send chills up your spine relative to what's happening in the world right now, the irony is that in the movie, the sort of fascist, controlling, thought-controlling, censored uh, group is, is of course, the people on the right, because that's what Hollywood's gonna give you, even though we're getting it from the people on the left these days. Anyway, yes, we will do one soon. Oh, and I will be announcing a live LA meetup next week. Uh, I'll probably announce it, I think I'm gonna announce it tomorrow in our locals community. It's not gonna be posted publicly anywhere. Uh, so if you would like to join us and have a beer, with me live in crazy Los Angeles at a location that I met the owner at a, at a, uh, at a protest. He was, he's a great guy, didn't know him. He was at one of the protests when I went, when they, uh, we protested at this woman, Sheila Cool's house. She was the deciding vote in the three, two vote to close down outdoor uh, restaurants. She's the one that literally had the deciding vote and then went to eat outdoors till the, cause the order didn't kick in right then, it was gonna kick in the next day or so. So she thought outdoor eating was such a threat that she voted to close outdoor eating and then went to eat outdoors in Santa Monica. Ridiculous human being as most of these people are. Anyway, I met a ton of restaurateurs there, including this guy who owns a whole bunch of restaurants in LA. Uh, he's had to lay off over a thousand people. Uh, he, he said he was actually gonna run in some local LA election. So the re it will be at his restaurant, I will gladly uh, pay for plenty of drinks for plenty of people. So we'll announce that at rubenreport.com. Uh, sorry, at rubenreport.locals.com tomorrow and then we're gonna do it one night next week. Uh, Rebarn says, how do you keep your sense of humor in an increasingly humorous society? Well, one thing that's been nice is I think I've been a little funnier and a little lighter on this show over the last couple of weeks than I was maybe before the election. Um, how do you do it? I don't know. My, my default position actually in life is sort of, lighter and funnier. I don't take things that seriously. Like I know we are in this massive fight. Like I think we are in an existential fight for, for the West, for ourselves, for humanity. Like I really do. Um, but I also need to be funny throughout that. I need to, I like being around funny people and light people. Ironically, I don't love being around comedians because I usually find comedians to be pretty depressive. And when I was, when I was, I talked a little bit about this on uh, Jack Murphy's podcast a day or two ago. When I was doing stand-up, which I did for 12 years in New York, like it comes with a lot of pain and you, you see why so many comedians are alcoholics or drug addicts or all this other stuff. And as my life kind of got better, I didn't need comedy as much. So one of the funny, the fun things uh, for me has been over the last couple of years as I've gained popularity because of this, I can sell out these comedy clubs and I've sold out every club that I've done in the last couple of years. I did a ton of them on like an off night when I was on tour with, uh, with JP, with Jordan Peterson. 
And and I have fun up there. Like it's not traditional stand-up, like what's the deal with the it's it's more just like it's it's like a show. Like I get up there, I interact with you guys, and we talk about what's going on in the world, and it's just and I it, yeah, it's fun. So I hope to get back to that. We'll probably have to start in Florida, because uh, it ain't gonna happen here. Uh, Sarah says, what's your favorite place that you've ever traveled to and why? You know, the second year, I've done the off the grid August thing for four years. The second year that we did it, uh, we did uh, like a week in Bora Bora, which is French Polynesia. The French have somehow taken over Polynesia. Uh, I guess they took it over a long time ago. Um, and this is, if you don't know what Bora Bora is, I mean, just Google it. It's when you see those huts that are just out over the water and there's fish and sharks under you and just that perfect, you know, you look out your window and you just see infinity. That's what it feels like. It, it, it feels like you're just seeing the end of the earth and it's quiet and it's pleasant and the beaches are perfect and the food is great and, and it costs a lot of money. So you gotta save up to do it. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a once in a lifetime kind of thing, uh, but just to sit at the end of the world and it's quiet. And by the way, everyone that goes to these places, they're usually on their honeymoons. So it's like all anyone wants to do basically is eat and have sex and then not talk to anybody. So it's just very, very, it's very, very pleasant. I couldn't more highly recommend it. Lauren says, would you and David Janet ever host a cooking show? Clyde can be the taste tester. I posted some of David Janet's uh, cooking last night on the community. Uh, because he made his cast iron chicken parm. You can check out David's uh, Instagram actually, is instagram.com slash David's cookbook. He's an incredible chef. We are working on a cookbook. He's working on a cookbook. I don't know if he's gonna be happy that I announced that because that's gonna put the pressure on. Uh, and we're trying to see if should I have some involvement with it. But we have also done dinner nights in the Ruben Report community where we've all, David posts a recipe and then we all cook something together. So maybe we'll do like a dinner and a movie thing over the next couple weeks. Uh, Free Europe Girl says, share a funny story about Ben Shapiro. I love him, but he's always so serious. We need to know some funny stuff. Well, I feel like I can give you the most sort of like Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro story there is, which is when I was on tour with JP, the, the last stop that we did in the United States was the second show we did in LA. So the, the tour kicked off in LA. And uh, for those of you that read the book, you, you know the story that I had Ben and Jordan in my studio, in my old house, in the garage. We did like a two or three hour show together. It was phenomenal. I think it's one of the best shows that I've ever done. I think it's the most viewed episode of the Rubin Report ever actually. But I cut it short, even though I know they could have kept continuing because Jordan had this, this theater show that night and he had never done it before, right? And remember Jordan, you know, even though you think of him now as, as this incredible uh, orator and, and uh, an author and, and world renowned, um, intellect and traveler and all of these things and you see him in front of all these crowds, like at that time, he still wasn't quite that. And he had this big show, he had this big show coming up, right, uh, that night. And it was a test basically to see if, oh, could, could this thing tour maybe? Anyway, the, we shut down early because it wasn't early, it was after two or three hours, but we shut down. And as Jordan was walking out of my house, I said, hey, if you want me to come tonight and warm up the crowd, just get him laughing about lobsters or something before the show starts, let me know. And he's like, yeah, he didn't even pause. He was just like, yeah, let's do it. Anyway, when I crushed it that night, the agents were there, they said, we're gonna tour this thing. And then literally my life changed. Anyway, a flash forward like a year and a half later after 120 stops and 20 countries and all this stuff, we were doing our last US show at the same exact theater, downtown uh, LA, the Orpheum Theater. And uh, you guys may remember that there was this whole fracas because this sort of gets us to an earlier question. 
Ben Shapiro said that he wouldn't bake me a gay wedding cake. Not that I would want Ben to bake me a gay wedding cake. Uh, not that I think Ben is a baker. I also probably wouldn't want a kosher cake. Might want something a little, a little more buttery. I don't know. Um, but people were very upset and that made Ben uh, homophobe and it made me a self-hating gay, something like that. So we're doing our last show in LA. And I said, Ben, why don't you come tonight and I will surprise the crowd, bring you up there and let's just see what happens. So that night I wore a full on suit, black suit tie. I normally would just dress up like I normally do it. I was like, it's our last show in LA. This is the big one. I dressed up real sharp. Ben in typical Ben form, he's like working, working, working all day, Daily Wire, shows up like a minute. Like it's just like the way he talks fast, like just appears right before we're about to get on stage. I go up there, they announce me, the crowd goes bananas. It was so electric that night. It was such an absolutely special night. I think we have some video of it that maybe I'll, I'll try to play next week for you guys. Um, anyway, I, I do about 10, 15 minutes, the crowd's rocking, it's just electric. And then I'm like, and here's special guest, Ben Shapiro. Ben walks on stage, he brings me a little cupcake, a little cupcake, crowd just freaking gets it, loves it. Of course, it gets tweeted out, the videos and everything, and then you got all the, the tolerant people uh, you know, saying all kinds of awful things about us. Ben then did a really funny Jordan impression, talks Jordan style really fast, made a couple of jokes, walks out of there, just goes home and disappears. Like, it, And I just thought he was just like the perfect Ben story, because he's busy, but he shows up, he does the thing, makes the joke, boom, and he's out of there, and that's it. And it was just such a, it was such an absolutely, absolutely great night. And actually, I don't know if you guys can quite see it, but can they see that photo? Can you grab that photo for me, right there? I'm gonna grab that for a second. Uh, my favorite picture of the entire tour, you know, we had, as I said, we stopped in so many places and so many pictures of us on stage and off stage and everything else. This is more about JP. Um, but this, uh, let's see, I think you can see it there, right? I'm not getting too glary. Uh, we went to dinner that night at a, at a steak joint with the, with the entire crew and Jordan's doing his, uh, his whiskey. And I think I was doing some wine and we had all the agents there and, and some fans joined us and it was just, just an absolutely great night. By the way, guys, speaking of uh, Jordan, I just did a two hour interview with Jordan. Uh, obviously we've connected a bit over the last two years, but it was just freaking amazing to sit down with the guy, connect at the human level, talk about his new book and all that. We are going to be releasing it on Monday, right? We're doing the whole thing on Monday. Now the, this is going to be the first interview that will be released related to his book. They're giving us the first one. So the book comes out on March 2nd, Beyond Order, comes out on March 2nd. There's gonna be a gajillion interviews, a gajillion people, he's doing the whole press thing. Although I did tell him, you know, just take it easy, take it easy as you're getting back into the flow. But we are getting the first one. The first one that will be released will be March 1st, this Monday, two hours with JP. We get personal, uh, we reminisce, obviously a lot about the book and it was just so great to connect with him. And, and you know, if there's any chance that we get some order back in the world out of this chaos, I think that's the guy that can bring it to us. So hopefully, hopefully he'll continue to heal, continue to get better and we'll get more JP. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, interview, my interview with Steven Crowder, part two, he's in the middle of a massive lawsuit with Facebook right now. Twitter banned him the other day, like a lot of craziness happening around Crowder, uh, but he's doing good work. Uh, part two is up right now on the YouTube. And of course the full episode is already up ad free at rubenreport.locals.com. As I said, tomorrow, our recall Gavin Newsom, California Bonanza panel with Rick Grinnell, Adam Carolla and Alicia Kraus is up, uh, will be up tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific as always. Jordan Peterson on Monday and join me 
at rubenreport.locals.com for plenty of other stuff. All right, that was a that was a full freaking show. Have a good day, everybody.